Bentley in Port Melbourne, the Friday night barn burner. Alan Webb is a knight in shining armour. Eastern Lions put in a shift at the lakeside, and we upset Branson's mum. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Match Day 2 episode of the Semi-Pro Potty. Well, 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 we are back for another week. I am your host, William Chambers. Joined with me this week and every week is Branson Gibson. My friend, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you, William. I'm very excited to be here. Very excited to talk about another ripping weekend of MPL Victoria action, mate. I do love this for us. Now, we've got to address it up the front of the episode. What Mm. did we do to upset your mum last week? Wow, she was very upset. Mum is an avid listener of the semi-pro potty, despite having zero interest in the NPL Victoria. Listens along anyway, so full credit to her. Uh, she called me up after last week's show, and she was furious. She was upset. She wanted to know where the kit bag segment was. We did it for week one, and then we didn't do it last week. Mum was switched on. Uh, she called me up, and she was irate and uh, frankly disgusted that we hadn't, you know, returned to kit bag last week, but good news, mum, and good news for listeners is kit bag is back this week, William Chambers. It's back. Yeah, and it's good news for one of us because you've definitely picked a theme for this week where the one week you could potentially be happier for being a Fulham fan and me being a Liverpool fan is the week that you decide to don a Fulham kit. So, Branson, please, dear God, tell us, oh, why have you chosen this kit? Well, you know, regular listeners would know that you are, of course, a Liverpool fan, and I am, of course, a a Fulham fan. Fulham took on Liverpool in the Premier League this week, and, of course, it was the mighty Cottagers who emerged victorious with a thumping, dominant, magnificent 1-0 victory over Liverpool at Anfield. Uh, and so, mate, there was never it was never going to be anything else. It just had to be a Fulham kit. This one that I'm wearing is this year's kit, the 2020-2021 kit. It's got Alexander Mitrovic on the back. It's got the Premier League patches on the side. Uh, quite like it. It's got the black sleeves, which reminds me of the 0910 kit, which we wore to the Europa League final. So uh, great kit, great circumstances to be wearing it, mate. What have you got on um, I have fallen behind in the spending my disposable income on jerseys race between the two of us. So I've kind of gone for something a little bit more conservative this week, which is, Branson, can you help me find a kit that we haven't worn on the kit bag segment before? So I'm wearing a miscellaneous year AC Milan top, long sleeve, might add, a lot of fun, um, with Roberto Baggio on the back, which I feel like there's, I saw a rumor that there's a, a Baggio documentary coming to netflix or something that i think would be pretty bloody good so let's say it's themed with that but also i wasn't going to wear a liverpool kit this week and i've kind of run out of kits to wear so my kit bag is quite uninspiring that's all right we've got we've got enough stocks to roll for the rest of the season we'll be okay we will persevere if i have to go online and buy a bunch more kits then i'm willing to to take that bullet take one for the team and and do it i'll wear it mate that's okay literally wear it i don't think that's how you should look at this problem like you don't throw more like fuel on the fire (laughs) um but do you know where there was a fire where in npl victoria on friday night because there was some absolute stonking matches 
Let's not wait any longer to jump into it. Mate, probably match of the round in my mind, at least mm-hmm. for goals shipped and closeness. But Bentley 2, Port Melbourne 3, wowzers. Talk us through it. Yeah, well, it was an even game, but it was a big result. I agree with you, probably match of the round. Uh, I thought Bentley looked the better of the two sides in the first half. Jacob Alexander gave them the lead just before half time. I thought that was deserved, you know, overall. Uh, Christopher Dugan, though, brought Port level just after the restart, uh, after a penalty for don't know what. Referee pointed for a foul. Uh, Sorry, a free kick going Bentley's way, then two seconds later pointed to the penalty spot. So no idea what happened there. But, but like uh, last last week when I was like, I was really looking forward to NPL Victoria because there's no VAR, it was almost as if there was <laughs> VAR but without the screens for this. Like he just overturned yeah. his own decision. While, while we don't want VAR, it would also be handy to maybe have replays because no one really knew what the foul was for. But anyway, Port were level. Uh, it felt like normal service resumed, though, midway through the second half when Bentley took the lead again through Damien Iaconis. From there, I thought that that was the game done and dusted. Uh, but it wasn't. Goals from Jackson Courtney Perkins and then Johnny Kowal in the last 10 minutes gave Port the win. Johnny Kowal scored a header in like the 92nd minute, gave Port Melbourne the result. Fantastic header. Fantastic game, mate. Also fantastic celebration. Um, mm. You know, we don't see many theatrical, acrobatic goal celebrations in the NPL. It's more often than not the run over the corner flag and have a little bit of fun. But, you know, that was a, yeah, look, that was a, a celebration fitting of the goal, I felt. Yes, absolutely. And in the end, I thought it was a, a rather surprising result. I thought Bentley were going to cruise home once they went up 2-1. Instead, they got hammer-headed by the Sharks. Hammer-headed by the Sharks. That's a good one. I'm going to stick with it. It's a big win for Port, though. Uh, They looked pretty nowhere last week against the Knights. We weren't very impressed with them. Uh, For Bentley, though, I did like the look of Chudia Thurjath, which I've probably butchered his pronunciation. Number 19 for Bentley. He looked very good. Liked him a lot. Uh, But, yeah, Port Melbourne, 3-2 victors. Will, question for you, mate. On balance, how does this win compare to the – for Port Melbourne compared to their loss – Last week, like we thought last week they were very poor. This week against Bentley, a very good team, a 3-2 win. Does that outweigh the poor performance last week or what do you think? I think it probably more exemplifies the same thing that we say about Port Melbourne, which is their inconsistency. Like why can't they put in a shift every week? And I know it's obviously easy to say that harder to do it, but if they're going to be up and down one week, to the next and they're going to get no consistency. I think this is a really competitive league season to the point where that lack of form is going to be detrimental. So they will not make finals if they've got this odd game in them every couple of rounds. So um, I think it probably, it doesn't sort of show us more from Port than what we already knew, which was that they're just inconsistent and one week they'll put on an absolute ripper game and then the next they'll be absolutely derisible. Um, But, you know. We'll see where we go because, look, we, we are going to make some really stupid declarative statements throughout the season. We are two rounds in, so let's probably maybe, <laughs> like, pump the brakes on that a bit. Yeah, again, we said that last week. You know, we know it's one week in, but we're going to make statements and we know that they don't really... Yeah, was that, like, around the uh, Avondale-Oakley game where we it's, were like, um, is this a season decider? But one thing... <laughs> 
Well, accurate. He could have been a season decider. Uh, don't know if the next game that we're going to talk about will go down as a season decider, but it was still a big game nonetheless and a big result. Melbourne Knights taking on Dandenong Thunder. Will, what did you make of this one, mate? Yeah, um, look, this was probably one of the better matches before COVID shut everything down. Um, Brandon Barnes with a, a late free kick banger and the stuck his gut out celebration last mm. year. To see the rematch of this one was really good. And to be honest with you, Alan Webb was on absolute fire. Um, look, he got two goals for Knights. They ended up winning 2-1. But first goal was a scrappy tap-in that he seemed to actually kind of lunge in two-footed over the line with, which was quite entertaining to see. Um, but then his second, uh, his second goal was a strange side-footed shot. So it's kind of been crossed out to him inside the box. So it's not a full cross. And he just sort of like side foot half lobs the keeper. And I wasn't sure if he was trying to put it back in or shoot. But it was Mm. still a great goal. It kind of one of those ones that comes in off the woodwork and looks great because you couldn't have put it any further away or else it would have missed. Um, But it was Mm. really, really good. He had an absolute ripper match. Um, But by the same token, Dandy Thunder actually had some good chances. Um, I felt their goal probably just came a little bit too late. Um, yeah, Mika sort of tapped it in. There was a free kick that was deflected off the ball, off the wall, and he just kind of kept running, and no one else kind of reacted to it. So he had a little bit of a tap in there. Um, but I feel like maybe if that goal had come ten minutes earlier, there might have been a little bit more spice to the tail. But it was probably just a little bit late. Um, so I would say, given Knight's form in the first week, given their performance, given the fact that Alan Webb is in insane form um, early on in the season, I think. Probably three points to the Knights is a fair fair result for the game. But, Bran, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on that shot. If it was a absolutely perfectly placed shot or if he was really trying to probably put it back across goal and he's just kind of shanked it a bit. I don't know. It's a tough one because it does look like he's trying to almost send it to the back post. Like Because it was a lob, it just sort of looks like he's trying to set it up for someone at the back post, and there are fellow Knights players in the box, just someone to, like, leap up and head it home. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say I think he was going for goal because if he was, it's spectacular because lobbed him perfectly off the post and the keeper had no chance at all. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say it's a shot because I want to believe that it was another fantastic goal that we got to see in the NPL. Yeah, I think the only thing that throws me with it is that from there, you're always kind of told maybe to put the laces through it. And it's a very clever finish. Well, and, and, and and one last thing is, I think the celebration reveals a lot as well, where when he was celebrating, he sort of looked more shocked than yeah. intentional. Like if you scored a banger, you're like, yeah, I meant to do that. But I don't know. I I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards shot but I can certainly see that it might have been a cross too. Yeah, and do you know who was cross on Saturday? The only game that wasn't on a Friday night. The fans of Avondale who had to witness two players get sent off. I don't know, terrible segue, but Branson, you were obviously at the Altona 2, Avondale 2 match. Mm. Did Probably didn't pick this as a 2-2 kind of game. Definitely didn't pick Avondale getting two men sent off, but talk us through it. This is probably my contender for the strangest game of the round where there's just so many storylines and so many things going on at the same time. 
I just don't really know what to make for make of it. The one thing I want to know, though, uh, sorry, I want to state, though, is that it was an absolutely beautiful day for football. It was the only game on the Saturday afternoon. All the other clubs who didn't play then absolutely missed out. It was 23 degrees. It was sunny. It was lovely. Great day to go watch some NPL at Paisley Park. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Altona, though, I thought they were second best for the first half. Avondale looked very, very good. They were 2-0 up at halftime. Goals from Stefan Valentini and Matthew Reed put them pretty much in, in total control. Altona had a couple of chances in there as well, but for the most part, it looked like Avondale were dominating the game. But then in the second half with a quick wave of the magic wand, mate, everything changed. Avondale, as you said, had... Not one, but two players sent off. They had to play with nine men for 30 minutes. Uh, the first red card was blatant. Uh, Dylan Jacoupi, uh, last offender, brought the, the guy who was too on. 50-50 challenge uh, on Scott Hillier. Maybe unlucky to get sent off, but, you know, that's football. Uh, from there, you know, the whole complexion of the game changed. From there, it was really was a fortress for Avondale trying to sit back and Altona just trying to push forward. And, and get goals and go ahead and take the lead. They couldn't quite manage it. Vince Lear and Stefan Ristich brought the magic level late on. But to be absolutely honest, mate, Altona, Altona, Altona should have gone on to win it. They equalised in the 87th minute. After that, they had a number of chances as well to go ahead. And they just couldn't. So overall, though, it was like a really, really weird game where both teams would be happy and mad at the same time, given the result. Like Avondale, they were in a winning position at halftime, then had two players sent off and looked more likely to lose, but then they held on for a draw. So mad they didn't win, happy that they got a point in the end. Altona, 2-0 down at halftime, salvage a 2-2 draw against another top team. You'd be happy with that. But then Avondale had nine men for over half an hour and they didn't win. So my question for you, mate, is who would be happier with the result here? Who do you think has more to take away from it? Avondale hanging on for a point with nine men or Altona salvaging a draw having been down 2-0? Yeah, it's weird because I think if you ask that question at certain times, it's a different answer. Um, yeah, literally. Like, like, obviously, you'd be absolutely before the game, if you were an Avondale fan, you were told you'd be 2-0 up at halftime, you'd be stoked. But, oh, man, watching that last, like you said, it was just, I thought Vince Lear was actually great for most of that game for Altona. He was brilliant, but I just thought Altona were coming home with a wet sail. So you've got to say that Avondale are lucky to get a point out of this one, particularly with that two-man deficit for, what was it, half an hour? Um, yeah. It was. It just felt like a matter of time before Altona were going to run over them. So to, to hang on to a point, I think, is actually really quite good here for, for Avondale. I think Altona would be happy with a point, but yeah another five to ten minutes and I don't think it would have been a point and just very quickly as well when it was 11 aside I thought Avondale outplayed Altona quite comprehensively on the park Altona still had some chances but I thought Avondale were the better of the two sides they're tough to split them mate but another two sides who were tough to split were I can see, I can see you shaking your head at my segues here. I think I'm on fire no, with you're my right. head and my waving the magic wand. The other one that was, all right, South Melbourne East the Mines. Tell me about it, mate. Well, the reason why I was kind of shaking my head because this shouldn't have been a hard to split game. South oh. Melbourne look like they've solved their problems up front. They can put the ball in the back of the net now. They've 
kind of always had all right delivery and everything. Not not too bad there. Eastern Lions look kind of nailed on down the na- the relegation zone of the table. So to see this in the second round at a sort of lakeside as a big event and everything to see Eastern Lions. I mean, obviously, look, there's a the um, the really exciting sort of first half that there was. Um, it just didn't look like South Melbourne were going to be troubled. Um, but I think the obvious sad news of Jimmy Williams last week passing, big character within Eastern Lions. I'm not sure if that was any sort of extra motivation for them, but I was sort of really impressed with how Eastern Lions went about that game because they scored an absolute banger of an opening goal, which was, I would say, probably against the run of play. Um uh, it was from Georgeopolis, and it was an absolute cracker. Loved it. Um, then oh, about halfway through the first half, Clark for South Melbourne missed it one literally inside the goal. Like I felt like the ball was inside the goal, and it's managed to not go in. Uh, so that could have almost sort of taken there then. A late first half save kept South Melbourne in it. Pierce Clark, ripper save. Um, it looked bound for the top corner. That would have been a 2-0 lead for Eastern Lions at the lakeside, and that would have been a real shock on the hands there. Uh, Harrison Sawyer, he does get the equaliser for South. And whilst it was an exciting end, I don't think there was enough from either team to sort of grab that sort of game by the scruff of the neck and and call it their own. So, look, a a really good start by Eastern Lions. South Melbourne played well. I think both sort of did... I think Eastern Lions probably were the better defensively in terms of last gasp, last-ditch efforts of clearing balls off the line and everything. But... I think if you're going to be down the relegation end of the table, it's way better to see three men on the line there to clear a ball than sort of not fighting or not just ball watching and not being that into it. So I was really impressed by Eastern Lions out of this. But, yeah, I'd say this is definitely points dropped for South Melbourne, but a really good performance by Eastern Lions. Yeah, I I thought so too. I, I would have expected South Melbourne to, to get a result here. I thought Keegan Coulter, who's the goalkeeper for Eastern Lions, I thought he was really good. I thought he made a number of good saves. And South, I mean, they had a bunch of chances, but none, uh, sorry, not that many like dead set clear cut ones, sort of half-ish kind of chances. So, yeah. I mean, it's a good it's it's a good point for Eastern Lions, that's for sure. Uh, but for South, you know, one step forward last week after beating Heidelberg, and then it's sort of one step back now, drawing with Eastern Lions at home. Yeah, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's South I don't know if South Melbourne having one step back as much as it is. I thought Eastern Lions just put in a really impressive shift. Like I think on another day, South Melbourne probably would have got a couple more chances in there, but Eastern Lions just played well. Like I don't think it was South Melbourne playing particularly poorly. I thought it was just Eastern Lions really showed up, and it's you know it was a close match. Um, but Branson, we've got a little bit of a Croatian Darby to talk about. Dandenong City 1, St Albans 2. Is there trouble in Dandy? There could be. There could be. This was the first Croatian Derby of the season. And, of course, it's a big three points for St Albans. Uh, they won 2-1, but I thought Dandy City were the better side for most of the game. I thought they had most of the chances. I thought they looked more likely... To score, I thought they controlled the game more so than, than St. Albans. I thought Dandy City had the initiative for a, most of the game. So a little bit of a surprising result in terms of that. Nick Kalmar gave Dandy City the lead 
in the first half from a penalty. Marco Bagaric equalised for St. Albans, though. Again, I thought against the run of play. And then later in the second half, it was your mate, Adam Hodor, who puts St. Albans ahead. Uh, for Dandy City, though, I thought Delano Ferro looked really, really good. I thought he had a number of good chances in the first half. He looked very exciting. For St. Albans, I thought Shane Vitakangas, the goalkeeper, was very good as well. Overall, though, I feel like City would be disappointed with the result, and they'd probably be a little bit disappointed with their start to the year. They were second best against the Thunder in Week 1. Then they were the better of the two sides, I thought, against St. Albans, but still didn't come away with a point. They had nothing to show for it. Uh, On the flip side, again, full credit to St. Albans. I thought they did well. I thought they absorbed the pressure well. Then when they did go forward, they were able to make Dandy City pay, so full credit to them there. And this could be a very big three points for St. Albans. They are one of the teams who I think is going to struggle to remain in the division. So being able to pick up points against the teams around you is is critical. And we think Dandy City will be sort of in the bottom-ish half of the table. So a great result for St. Albans, mate. Uh, are you concerned about Dandy City? You have a lot of love for Dandy City. Two performances here and not a lot to show for it. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am concerned. I just, honest to God, I'm mostly concerned because I don't want Sasha Ogdenovsky to get sacked. I think half of my love for Dandy City comes from big Sasha Ogdenovsky being at the helm. So uh, that's where most of my concern comes at the moment. But look, absolutely early days in the season. I think they played well. Um, I believe it was Farrow who you mentioned in there. I thought he played well last week as well. So uh, there seems to be good players there. But again, I just think we're at a point where it's a really stupidly competitive league and someone has to finish below everyone else. And I think the margins of relegation, survival and finals are going to be so fine this year. Um, But actually, that's a nice segue without any shark-related puns. Actually, I could fin-ish this segue by saying Green Gully 1, Hume City 1. Um... This was what I sort of deemed would be one of the matches of the round. I think Hume City would be kicking themselves about this one. Um, Josh Bingham was absolutely everywhere in the first stage of this match. He scored a ripper goal. Um, This game was one with probably like high defensive lines. There was a lot of space in behind, a lot of crosses going in. Um, And it was really exciting and entertaining for that aspect. But like... In the second half, a storming run from Ochiang and a delicious ball for Brown. Um, Looks like it was going to be a nailed-on goal, 100%, but just the ball stuck under Brown's foot. He couldn't quite get a shot out. Um, And that would have put them 2-0 up, and it would have been a very well-deserved win for Hume. But Green Gully would get a late goal to Anthony Poliak. I think that's his first for Green Gully, Um, and that took it to 1-1. And I was like, oh, look, these are points dropped. This is... Really upsetting because they could have been 2-0 up. It's now 1-1. And then there was even then a late shot that needed a really smart save from Weir um, that would have pretty much been a smash and grab job uh, by Green Gully. It would have been 2-1 at that stage if he had not made that save. So, Bran, Green Gully, they have shown some great character, I think particularly against difficult teams. Where do you see them factoring at this stage? That's an interesting question. I want to uh, defer my answer. I know that's a bit of a cop-out, but I want to defer it to next week because coming up, they will play Avondale. So I think that will be a very big test for them. 
Uh, I agree where I thought Hume were unlucky not to win it. I thought James Brown, that chance at the end, would have been so frustrating for Hume fans. Uh, had the ball in the box and you just would have been yelling, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, just put your laces through it, mate. He didn't. And then, like, 30 seconds later, they were made to pay. I thought Gully looked good uh, in this game, even though they were they were second best. I think uh, the Kamara boys, both of them look quite good as well. I like that duo in particular as well when you throw Alex Salmon in the mix as well. Uh, I think Gully will be dangerous. I think they will be there or thereabouts. I anticipate they'll finish in the top six, but I don't anticipate they'll finish in the top four. So I think this kind of result, this kind of performance sort of matches up with that where on the whole they'd be happy with a point, uh, but I think they were the more fortunate of the two teams to get this result. Yeah, because I think after that finale to it, I was thinking probably that they were nudging top four because it's that kind of dogged determination that I think gets you points where you probably don't necessarily mm. deserve them, and particularly against Hume. Hume are great. I mean, we know that even defensively, you know, they're really strong. So, yeah, interesting. It will be it will be very interesting to see how they go against Avondale next week, but we one more match this round to cap it off. Branson, Heidelberg 1, Oakley 1. Good little bit of a Greek derby. Tell us about yes. this one. Definitely. It was a, a good match, a huge match. Two of the best teams from the last couple of seasons. I'll tell you what, mate, you wouldn't believe it, but for a 1-1 draw, mate, it was a pretty even game. Um, Jeez, pray tell. <laughs> How did you come to that conclusion? Well, well, well the scoreline was one thing. The stats were, were another. Uh, both teams scored from two near-identical tap-ins. Matt Thurtell scored for Oakley and Jackson Lino for Heidelberg. As the game went on, though, I thought Oakley looked most likely to win it. It looked like uh, they had another, oh, maybe not another gear, but it looked like the pressure started to build and then late on Heidelberg seemed to sort of almost change their mentality and, and, and seemed like they were happy to settle for a point, whereas Oakley were more, the team that was more bombing on trying to go ahead and get all three points there. They had a number of chances late on. Wade Decker as well, Mr. Sitter of a header towards the end. Uh, he was unmarked, open header, near the six-yard box, right in the middle, and he just sort of glanced and missed. So I think overall Oakley would have been disappointed given how strongly they were performing in the last 10 minutes of the game that they didn't get a winner. Heidelberg, would, I, th- I think they settled for a point at the end, um, and I think they were a little bit fortunate to get it. But overall, mate, this result means that these two sides, Heidelberg and Oakley, who in our preview we both thought would be towards the top. And again, we know it's only round two, but they sit 12th and 13th on the table. It's only been two rounds, but that is a pretty crazy thought. My question for you, mate, is which team do you think has a better chance of climbing up the table from what we've seen so far? Yeah, look, I don't think I'd be concerned if I was either of those two teams or a supporter of either of them, because I don't think there's a chance I think they're gonna that they there. are going to stay at 12th and, 12th and 13th. But... Um, it's an interesting one because obviously um, I think Heidelberg United might find it a little bit harder to come across goals this year than they did last couple of years. And so by that token, I'd probably say Oakley. Maybe you're in a better position to climb up the fastest. But look, uh, if we've seen anything from Heidelberg, it's that they know how to win. They know how to finish out seasons. It's not necessarily how you start it. It is how you finish it and that momentum that you carry into finals and to the tail end of the season. So, look, no panic buttons being thrown at this stage. But 
um, two closely matched teams in a closely fought game that is evenly matched with a 1-1 scoreline, I think it's pretty on brand. So um, I'm not too concerned about that. But it's interesting that you mentioned that sort of condensation of those two down the bottom of the table because let's take a look at the table at the end of match day two. Branson, in the top four positions, we've got Knights, Green Gully, Avondale and South Melbourne. Any big surprises there for you, my friend? Uh, not a ton, really. I, I, I like the Knights on top. You know, they've they've played very well in their first two games of the season. They're the only team who remain perfect with two wins from two games. So I think they've done very well. Uh, South Melbourne up there should have been higher, I thought. I thought they should have beat Eastern Lions and they should be uh, right up alongside the Knights. What about you? Yeah, no, I think South Melbourne showing they've got a little bit of consistency in them this year and maybe a little bit more potency up front, which is good. Um, Bentley Greens, Port Melbourne round out the final spots. Then we have got St. Albans Saints, Altona Magic, Hume City and Dandenong City in the top 10. And then in the tail half of the table, we have got Dandenong Thunder, Oakley Cannons, Heidelberg United and Eastern Lions. Branson, any surprises in that, uh, (laughs) that tail end other than the aforementioned Oakley and Heidelberg? Uh, not really. They they are the two big surprises. And again, uh, full disclosure, you know, Oakley have played Avondale and Heidelberg. Heidelberg have played Oakley and South. So they haven't exactly had the easiest games to start off the season. A draw and a loss for both is probably a little bit surprising. But as you said, it's not the end of the world. Uh, and Dandy City, Dandy Thunder, East Lions down there, that's probably where we expect them to be. All of those teams have one draw and one loss, so it'll be interesting to see who can carry on their form and who can uh, climb up the table. Yeah, I think Eastern Lions would love to have some company in that bottom of the table for as long as they possibly can because that can get a very scary place if a lot of teams around them start getting a bit of a gap there early on in the season. Um, Branson, on the topic of a little bit of a gap, that is the end of part one. Let's take a break and then we can kick off into part two for all the light-hearted hoo-ha that we do. Welcome back to part two of the Semi-Pro Potty. Branson, we do it every week. It's you love Kitbag. This is my favourite bit because... God, there just seems to be no rules for it. But that's so semi-professional. Let's jump into it. Um, Bran, you've got one there that I really like, which is NPL Broadcast. Let's go with it. Yeah, so we, yeah, it's a semi-professional league. It's semi-professional on the pitch, semi-professional off the pitch. The podcast, uh, the official, not official uh, NPL Victoria podcast is in itself semi-professional. And so too is uh, other broadcasts. You know, we love polls in the way of cameras. I didn't see any this week, uh, but still there were semi-professional elements. Uh, some of the streams not working. I think you've got that here in the notes as well for the South game. Uh, it, it wasn't up at the start. It wasn't up for the start of the second half either. We missed a goal. Um, so again, you're just sort of watching and then they say there's been a goal and you go, fantastic. We saw in week one, we missed the Avondale Oakley red card as well. 
some of the commentators as well, not naming names here, but are getting player names wrong, uh, no team sheets. Oh, stuff mate, like Brad, that. you Where cannot just... throw you cannot throw stones in glass houses like that. We I have know, got I know. Consistently wrong for like two years now. Oh a yeah, lot of definitely, names. definitely, definitely, and we will admit that we are very semi-professional. <laughs> We've probably got some names wrong before, or we got pronunciation wrong in this episode. So no, no denying that. But I think that the broadcasts are a little bit semi-professional and missing the South Melbourne goal was a little bit of a killer mate what about you so I have not fact-checked this at all but I saw Chris Gleason in a Twitter thread with someone around the stream being dropped for the South Melbourne game and apparently the stream was dropped because the person who was organizing the stream had to go to hospital because their kid was being born and oh really yeah i saw it on twitter i was trying to look for it before but it was just like a twitter thread where like and, and oh. someone else had to take over at the studio and i was like oh, that's so great like that oh. makes it so good it does but i wish you'd tell me that before i just sort of ripped into him for saying oh this streams down what a what a yeah. crap oh wow yeah, okay yeah. cool but um but i i really well, like that a positive story i also love that in like the scenario where like that person literally had a choice to make between maintaining an npl broadcast stream or seeing the birth of their child and i'm like just why is npl stream even in that (laughs) (laughs) why is it even what it's no mate what a tough decision to make i know right imagine telling that story to your kid oh sorry mate sorry mate i missed the i missed your birth because i should go stream the one all draw between south melbourne and eastern lines at lakeside on a friday night it's a river it is a river um another really quick one because we're recording this a little bit later, uh, got to see some Champions League this morning, and the wall <laughs> that Juventus had for that free kick was just oh, against uh, Porto, yeah, appalling. Like, oh, I saw that and it's, just went, "That is genuinely semi-professional." It, that, that is yeah. nailed on what this segment's for. And like, you could excuse a semi-professional or an amateur player for that because it's like, well, look, you know, you don't get paid for this. You got to go to work, or you know. Uh, next week or whatever but for professionals you're literally paid millions and millions of dollars you can stand there and you know maybe get hit by a ball i mean yeah that was very semi-professional yeah uh, that I've, got, I've got two that i quickly want to mention uh yeah. the first is one that i saw on twitter shout out to mikey Mithsud for tweeting it out uh he posted on twitter apparently come play which was the australian uh world cup bidding website uh, apparently that is still active and apparently what it's being used for today is uh, posting articles about concrete cutting. So if you visit the Come Play website for the oh, Australian no. World Cup, there's, there's articles about concrete cutting up there. So no idea how that transformation has happened. I thought that was quite good. Uh, one other very semi-professional thing that I saw were a couple of pitches, the Melbourne Knights pitch. Uh, didn't look too flash. Yeah, While the team didn't. on the park looked very, very good, the playing surface itself did not. And the commentators for the South game kept talking about how the pitch wasn't in good condition because they had athletics events on there during the week, including javelin and discus, which I think is classic. Of course, Lakeside, home of the VIS. But uh, just thinking about discus and semi-professional football, uh, mate, what a, what a match made in heaven. Yeah, I would also hate to think that they have to, like, ground share for training. That's a hazard. <laughs> That's a big hazard. Yeah, just absolutely at the same time. Jeez. 
Um, one oh, last. That, that was a good one. You got me genuinely laughing on that. Well done. Oh, sorry. I, most of your laughs not genuine. Oh no, but that was like an uncontrollable big burst out. Dig up, dig up, Branson Gibson. Um, one last one that I want to put in, which I is completely off brand for this, but mildly related to football. Obviously, you're a Fulham fan. You know that Tony Khan um, cares more about his shitty wrestling company than he does about Fulham. Uh, mm-hmm. And about two weeks ago, he was named Wrestling Booker of the Year, which is the most inaccurate statement of all time. Um, wow. So an award. I just wanted you to know that his, uh, he's literally more successful as a wrestling booker than oh, he is man. as a Premier League club owner. What a great come of comfort. If Fulham do get relegated, we go, oh, well, at least our football operations manager is a amateur, oh, sorry, semi-professional or professional wrestling booker of the year. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, mate, I don't really like the sound of it, but what I do like the sound of it is, uh, oh, dear, terrible. What I do like the sound of, there we go, got it, is the next segment, which is the what we like segment, mate. Take it away. You can go first. What are some of the things that you liked? Um, I liked the FFA Cup round three draw. Um, Obviously, just having the FFA Cup coming up fills my heart with joy. Um, Mm. Lots of club names that I have no idea where they are. Being not from Victoria, I'm like, hmm, yes, that is a Fisker between two teams in a state. Nice. Um, But as every step we go through happens, I'm really keen to go out and see a couple of these formative games so that when we get teams in the FFA Cup, good and proper, it's a great story. Um, Another one that I'll quickly rattle off was I really liked uh, SMFC Mike took a photo and confirmed that the lakeside food issues seem to have been resolved. It's been one of our biggest pain points that that place should be great. Uh, so shout out to him for pretty much letting us know that it's under new management. It looks like the wait times are down, the quality of food is up, and I can't wait to get there and have a little bit of a sample brand. What about you? A couple of things that I like, mate. We are both Melbourne City fans, so of course I don't like, but I absolutely love Melbourne City thumping the Melbourne victory 6-0, mate. That is absolutely fantastic. As Melbourne City fans, there is literally nothing better than that record-setting win. I also like the Vuck being terrible uh, just because, you know, they've been so good. They've been so well-established for so long. It's just nice to see them, you know, from a City perspective, uh, sucking come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, it was just, it other- was violent yeah, to see. That game was violent to watch. It yeah. was just, they were just getting ripped apart. It was so entertaining. I loved every minute of it. I'm, I'm surprised the referee didn't call it off just, uh, <laughs> you know, just to end the suffering or something like that. Uh, two other things that I like before we'll throw back to you. Uh, I loved that they did live crosses to big Sasha Oganowski on the bench for the Dandy City St. Albans game. I thought that was very cool. I thought for the most part uh, it worked. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, they would literally in the 20th minute, they would just cross down to him and have a chat, ask him about the game, what he what he thought so far and how he's uh, how he's reading it. So I thought that was really good, a little bit more different to uh, just the standard halftime quick questions. So I thought that was very, very good. 
Yeah. Uh, and one other thing that I like, mate, we always talk about how good the MPL Victoria is, how competitive and even it is. One of the things that I like is taking a look at the ladder very quickly. Every team in the league has a point, at least one point. And I just think that's very wholesome. Uh, Eastern Lions are on the bottom. They've got a draw. Everyone's got something to show for it after two rounds. I just, I like that. I think it's nice. You know, it just you're such it... a you're such a Fulham fan, where you think uh... league tables should be like a communist regime of equality. <laughs> Ridiculous. We need winners and losers. We need relegation. <laughs> we do, but at least those teams, if they go relegate, if they do get relegated, they had a point by round two. It's not like. Uh, what was it, Sheffield United, who earlier this year broke the record for the longest yeah. time it took to get their first Premier League win or whatever. Yes. Uh, you've got a couple more things that you like. Yeah, what ob- are they? obviously International Women's Day um, yes. on Monday. Actually, I don't even remember what day all it of the weekends Monday. were. Yeah, it was Monday. Great. Um, very exciting, obviously, with the build-up to the World Cup, seeing the coverage that the women's game is getting in Australia. Uh, we're super keen for WMPL to kick off in about a month and a bit. So just seeing a lot of coverage around that and just reminding us that, you know, it's I think football's going in the right direction of being far more equal and, and celebrating some of the great players that we have in our country because let's be honest, if you had to go for a national team to get behind in Australia at the moment, you would be hard-pressed not to pick the Matildas because they're bloody awesome. Definitely, and we would like to say a big happy International Women's Day to everyone. Uh, all the women out there who might be listening and all the women who make the Victorian football community so fantastic, mate. Mostly our mums as well. Hi, mums. Yes, thanks, mums, for listening. They do. They Um, do. uh, And then finally, Central Coast Mariners. I remember you asked me to have a look over an article that you wrote at the start of the A-League season, which was about how the Mariners had fallen from grace and, you know, they were, what, six years ago, one of the most successful franchises in A-League history, the talent they had produced and all of that shine had gone and it was looking like dark days for them. They are everything right with Australian football at the moment. Young local kids coming through. I can't remember who who it was. Was it who scored in like 45 seconds or something? It was Matthew Hatch. Hatch, that's the one. Yeah, and so he set a new Australian National League record for scoring a goal 25 seconds into his debut. So he came off the bench 25 seconds later, ball in the back of the net. And one thing I will say, sidebar to that, I really like that they're talking about like national first division records now and actually mm. talking about Australian football as a whole and not like the A-League era and the NSL era. It's just a national first division. Um, so I really like that. And, you yep. know, just the, everything about that club. Matt Simon, mm. whoa. The form he's in. Great. Love it. All for it. Yeah. I'm just going to chime in very, very quickly. Uh, I totally agree. I mean, it's crazy to think a side that has finished bottom of the A-League table three years in a row is now seven points clear on top of the the table. Yeah. Just so many good storylines coming out of the Mariners at the moment. Like Matthew Hatch is an obvious one. Matt Simon, as you said. Uh, Alu Kual, Alan Stadich. There's just so many good things going on with the Mariners at the moment. We absolutely love it. We're big fans of the Mariners. Um, it's fantastic to see, mate. Awesome. Um, Bran, you've weirdly put in a new segment, which I'm really quite keen for because we've just been going through the same stuff week after week. Introduce this ripper little segment idea you've got, my friend. 
Yes. So last year you were sort of the quiz master where you would uh, drop a random flag on me and, well, not not literally, but uh, I would have to name it and uh, you'd also uh, mention a movie and I'd have to either tell you what it was about if I'd seen it or describe what I thought it was about if I hadn't and I'm terrible with movies. So most of the time it was me trying to guess the plot to random Random films, but what I've done random, now, really I've, well known and quite loved films. Yeah, yeah, I I don't dislike movies. I just haven't seen them, and apparently there's lots. But anyway, so I've flipped the script, mate. I've got a couple of quizzes for you. So right. go on, and, and 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 for our listeners at home as well. So what I'm going to do is ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to pick the right winner. So my first question for you, mate, is which of the following countries? does not have a team who has won the Champions League. So which of the following teams hasn't had a club from that country go on to win the Champions League? Make sense? Yeah. Yep. The four countries are Belgium, Greece, Romania, and Sweden. Which of those countries has a team who has won the Champions League? Romania, Belgium, Greece, and Sweden. So I'm pretty confident that I can close off Belgium and Greece. Like, I'm pretty sure there's clubs from both those countries that have won the Champions League. Um, Well, sorry, no, 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 hang on. Sorry, I'm after the team that has won. So so of those four, only one... Oh, okay, then Greece. Of those four... 100% Greece. Yeah, nailed on Greece. Of those four, only one of them has a team who's won the Champions League, and you reckon Greece? Yeah, 100%. Bonus points, which club? Oh, hang on, Champions League. Hang on, are we yeah. talking <laughs> a European Cup as well? Like, are we saying... Yeah, we're going back to the 50s. Okay, so okay, great. So, great, great. so okay, including Greece. Nottingham Forest. Um, oh, is it Panathinaikos? Well, I'll, I'll tell you two. Th- so, you've got the bonus question right, but your answer is wrong. Panathinaikos are the most successful Greek team. They've only made the final. The best they've done is runners-up. The correct answer is Romania. Stowe Bucharesti were former Europa, uh, sorry, UEFA Champions League uh, winners. I'm trying to find a year because I didn't have it written down, which I should have. Huh. I don't know what year they won it in. Huh. 85-86, uh, sorry. 85-86, uh, Romanian side Stowe Bucharesti won the Champions League. Belgium... Greece and Sweden, they've all produced a runner-up in Club Bruges for Belgium, Panathinaikos in Greece, and Malmo for Sweden. But Romania, funnily Interesting. enough, has so this... produced... So here we go. Romania has produced as many Champions League winners as France. What? Only one French side, uh, oh, Marseille... I thought you meant players. Ever... I was like, oh, no, 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 no. sure like a no billion clubs. French players have won the Champions League. <laughs> Marseille are the only French side to have won the Champions League and they've only done it once. So Romania and France, neck and neck on uh, teams to win the Champions League. I've oh. got... That was a little bit of a tricky one. I might not have explained it No, well, no, that was good. No, that was... I think you explained it incredibly poorly, but I think it was just down to the choice of which club didn't not never not win nothing not yes. in the Champions League. But, you know, we right, got... Well, well, the good news is I've got a chance to redeem myself here for the second one. This one's a little bit more basic. So I'm going to reel off four names. Which of the following is not, is not a real football club? Is it Triangle United FC? 
Barrack Young Controllers FC, Nyasa Big Bullets, or Inter Real Hustlers FC. So I'll repeat the word. I'll repeat the teams: Triangle United FC, Barrack Young Controllers <laughs> FC, Nyasa Big Bullets, or Inter Real Hustlers. <laughs> Which of those are not a real club? That is ridiculous that any of those are real club. I mean, okay, so I think Triangle United are real club. Definitely Nyasa <laughs> Big Bullets. Um, it's it's a yeah. So you're tossing up Barrack Young Controllers and Interreal Hustlers. I'm going to go Interreal Hustlers is not a real team because I feel like that just it's just too shit. The other ones are like really shit and great, but Interreal <laughs> Hustlers is just the worst name for a team I've ever seen. <laughs> well, the good news, mate, is you are correct. Yes. Interreal Hustlers are, are not a real club. A little bit of background info on the others. Triangle United <laughs> FC, they were founded in 1972. They are nicknamed the Sugar Sugar Boys, which is just an absolutely... Oh, can we call ab- ourselves that? <laughs> what, Triangle United or the Sugar Sugar Boys? That's a fantastic nickname. Yeah, the Sugar Sugar Boys is great. I really well, like com- that. The combination of Triangle United and Sugar Sugar Boys, that is so good. Uh, Barrack Young Controllers, uh, I mean, you were right where they're a real club. You've definitely heard of them. They are four-time Liberian Premier League champions. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, their motto as well is never fear, no foe, which is... Uh, Quite a good, quite a good nickname, I feel. Yeah. And uh, what was the other one? Nyasa Big, big Bullets. bullets. Nyasa Big Bullets. They are indeed Big Bullets, mate. They are the most successful team in Malawi, and they were champions in 2018. Uh, they also, the Big Bullets, play at a big stadium, 65,000 capacity. That's fucking Kamatsu. huge. It's massive. Kamatsu Stadium in, in Malawi. Um, and the club says it has around 6 million fans, which is uh, just fantastic. And Triangle United FC, where are they from? I had them written down. Um, uh, the Sugar Sugar Boys have to be like Caribbean or something. I don't know. Um, why can't I find Bermuda? it? Bermuda Triangle United FC? I don't oh, know. That'd be a good one. Uh, they are from Zimbabwe. Okay. Should have got that one. Um, maybe don't know why you would have got that from Triangle United, but mate, yeah. fantastic segment. Well done. Yeah, that uh, was so great. That, no, yeah. I like that. That was a good, good bit of segment. Um, it'll, it'll be back next week with uh, some improved questions or some yeah. improved question uh, reading out. Now that now that I'm in the hot seat, I'm yeah, yeah. I now see how you just got anxiety in every yeah, part of I've this got- section last year. The good news is I've got more in the bank and they get hey, better good. and better. So good. we've eased into it for week one. Week two will be a banger, mate. I'm telling you. Do you know what does get better and better, Branson? What? Match day three fixtures of the NPL Victoria. <laughs> so we're less stacked on a Friday night this week, but we have got Friday night kicking off with Port Melbourne and Eastern Lions, Dandenong Thunder and Bentley Greens. Oakley Cannons and South Melbourne in another Greek derby. This will be a cracker. Um, on the Saturday, we have got Avondale versus Green Gully. Altona versus Heidelberg. Hume City host Dandenong City. And rounding us off on Sunday at 5pm, St. Albans Saints versus the Melbourne Knights. Branson, match of the week, what have you got? Match of the week, oh, it's going to be a tough one. I think... 
it's I got to pick one because last week I like named four and you had to go at me for naming four. The Funny one about that, that. Yeah, the one that I'm going to pick is Altona Magic against Heidelberg United. The uh, the Harry Noon Cup, perhaps, is what they call it. Uh, Altona, we know, have signed a bunch of uh, players. Heidelberg have lost a few and replaced them. You know, there's a chance that they're sort of regressing a little bit. I think this will be a very good yardstick for both of the both of those teams to see if. Altona are legit, and to see if Heidelberg's worries are more serious. Uh, so that's my pick, mate. What about you? I'm really liking Oakley versus South Melbourne, but I'm going to mm. do a Branson, and I'm going to hedge my bets and say Oakley Cannon South Melbourne is one of my picks, but that's St. Albans State's Knights game. I think that will be a ripper. So somewhere between those two. Very nice. Now, mate, I do have a... A little bit of news for you and for the listeners as well as we're doing uh, the preview section here. I have spoken to the uh, FNR Football Nation radio crew. They do an MPL Victoria tipping competition and they have opened up a slot for us and the semi-pro potty so we can submit our tips and we will be included and we can compare ourselves to the uh, Football Nation radio experts. Yeah, that's pretty dangerous. yeah, it is. We could be so bad at this. But imagine if we win. It's going to be... Uh, yeah. If we win, I think we're going to have to do like a ticker tape parade oh. down Swanston Street or something. Actually, you can't even drive anything down Swanston Street, so it's probably the worst street to do it on. How good would that be? Live broadcast be so from good. Fed Square to get our trophy. Yeah. All right, so so we're going to do this as a collab effort and we're going yeah. to try to do it re- reasonably quickly. Port Melbourne Eastern Lions, surely we're picking Port there, right? Sure. Can we pick a draw or is it just win-loss? We can pick a draw. We can win-loss draw. Port that, Melbourne against Eastern Lions. That's a draw in my mind. Oh, I, I'll write it down. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Dandenong Thunder against Bentley Greens. Bentley. I reckon Bentley. Yeah. Yep. Cool. We're in agreement there. Oakley, South Melbourne. What do we think? Draw. Draw? Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, agree, I'll agree with you on draw. Uh, Avondale taking on Green Gully. I'm leaning towards Avondale here. I think they've looked very good last week. Aren't they missing two players, though? They are, but they've got a lot of squad depth. Um, yeah, but I Green think... Gully are sick. <laughs> but just because they're sick doesn't mean they're going to win the game. That's Ooh. it. You said draw for Port Melbourne Eastern Lions. I'm overruling you here and saying Avondale. Oh. <laughs> I'll turn... Well, you, you got the first one. I got the fourth. Altona, Heidelberg. What do we think? Altona. Okay. I'll go with that. Yep. Love it. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to sound so not excited for that. <laughs> I, was writing it, I was writing it down and I re- remembered I'm on a podcast. So I have to talk and not just write. Uh, Hume City taking on Dandenong City. Surely Hume. You want to say surely Hume, but... Yeah, it's Hume. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm, I'm, I was so sure it was surely Hume. I'd already written a H. Um, um, St. Albans same- Saints Knights. I, I think I'm, this is a interesting draw is what I'm going to call this one. You reckon? You don't think the Knights? Yeah. Well, they're top of the table and they're really good, but I just think there's something about this fixture that makes it a draw. Mm, Mostly the score. Okay. Mostly the score is what I think will make this game a, a draw. Okay, interesting. Well... Those are our tips. So we're going a draw between Port Eastern Lions, Bentley to beat the Thunder, a draw between South and Oakley, Avondale to beat Gully, Altona to beat Heidelberg, Hume to beat Dandy City, and then a draw between St. Albans Saints and the Melbourne Knights. Watch all of those now be wrong. 
We're, we no, can, we're really good at this. I'm on paper thinking we're brilliant at this stuff. We, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, I do know that last round, the winning uh, tip was two. So the most anyone got last week was two. So we haven't exactly got a ginormous bar to get there, but hopefully we hit it, mate. Uh, our, we're, we're on the record now. We'll see which one of us as well uh, tends to lean in the right direction and they might have more sway down the track, mate. I I could be absolutely nowhere uh, if Green Gully go out and, and swamp Avondale. My uh, my tipping power might have to uh, take a back seat to yours, mate. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, and look, this just bodes well as a, a precursor for next year for us running our own tipping comp. That would be heaven. Fantastic. All right, that is us done for the week. Thank you very much for joining us. I am at Chambershire. You are at Branson Gibson. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SemiProPotty. Um, let us know what games you're going to this week. I'm going to be in Adelaide. I'm not going to see any games. I'm very sad about that. Two weeks in a row. Brand, are you going to get off to any? Yeah, I'll be at the Avondale Green Gully game, and I'm hoping as well to get to St. Albans and the Knights on Sunday. We'll see. I've got a couple of things to sort out, but I'm hoping to get to St. Albans for my first MPL game at St. Albans. I said St. Albans three times in one sentence. Never done that before in my life. Amazing. Yeah, love that for you. Love this for (laughs) us. Ladies and gentlemen, please keep being semi-professional and thank you for joining us on the Match Day 2 episode of the Semi-Pro Potty.